Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. It is a, well, it's dark out here on Saturday night, but I feel like the sun is shining again over Morgantown and over the Pushkar Center. 56 days, five games without a win, and that is over under, I guess we could say, maybe surprising, maybe not. Most likely unlikely circumstances, I think, just the way this game went and West Virginia's luck and the fact that perhaps a game-winning touchdown pass was in the air and West Virginia got a break finally. Final score, 24-20. West Virginia goes into Manhattan, Kansas, and wins. Kind of does some things that we've been asking for and looking for all around a good day. And I think that some people think that maybe the bar is turning around or maybe it has all the way turned around now and it's onward and upward from here. And we can debate all that and we can discuss all that. And I need help, though, so I will tag in right now Chris Anderson, who is on the road trying to make sense of everything that happened today. Chris, do you have a handle on what this means and how it happened yet? Not really. I mean, I obviously was watching the game, saw what happened, saw the win. Uh, I, I'm looking at the stats. I can't quite figure out because almost everything uh, up until that last uh, you know, drive that Kansas State had where they kind of got downfield but didn't score the interception one. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was pretty even, almost all the way across the board, like all the way down to both teams being 20 of 30 passing, and they were averaging 5.5 yards per play and 3.0 yards per run. It was a wildly even game that I guess just the way the last month or so has gone, as you mentioned, felt like, well, okay. As soon as you know Thompson threw that one pass up in the air that ended up getting picked, I, I just assume there's the touchdown because he mm-hmm. threw it, yes, off his back foot, but he threw it with confidence because as we saw when we saw another replay and as Brown noted out after the game, he was open. His receiver put the double yeah. move on and he had beaten Hakeem Bailey and was open going in the end zone. But that little bit of pressure caused him to throw off his back foot which caused him to kind of get a little air under that ball and let Bailey step in front of it and get the pick. Story of the game, and there's many, and we'll touch on all of them, but Kansas State has five fifth-year seniors who start. They've started every game, and they got overwhelmed by West Virginia's defensive line. I was surprised that Kansas State wasn't running the ball and kept passing. I thought every time they dropped back, they did West Virginia a favor because Pooler and Jones and Stills and Stills and Donahue were coming after him repeatedly. You were able to rush with four. They covered, I thought, really well on the back end. And I think it got to the point where a team that runs the ball really well said, we can't block him. We're not going to run it. And it came through from maybe not the first play because that went pretty poorly, but certainly early to the very end. The defensive line, a major difference today. Yeah, and uh, and for those who I don't know if – I don't know how you could have missed it, but a true four-man front yeah. today. Uh, obviously, West Virginia runs a kind of a 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, with that bandit being something that varies between the first and second line of defense. But today was just full-on. There is no more. The bandit is just another defensive end today. And they rushed it, and, and not a lot of rotation. Brown said after the game that most of those guys were out there for nearly every defensive snap in the game. And that just makes it all the more impressive that they were still able to get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, a little bit of um, Brandon Thrift. I don't believe I even saw 
Jordan Jefferson to really it was it was six guys and basically just five doing the work there too. Uh, let's let's not even answer on this anymore. Let's get to the thing that everybody wants to talk about after uh, quite a wait. Um, people wondering when it would happen, if it would even happen. Sean Ryan back with the team. Got out there, got targeted once, dropped a pass, didn't look great. But uh, the guy throwing the pass is obviously the one they're going to discuss. Jared Dagey is there, and we can spend a lot of time on this, and I think we will. I just want to say this. Um, people ask you and me questions all the time. We look for expert opinions, and you know, we'll search the web. We'll pick up magazines and newspapers, and we look for answers. We have two eyes. Use your eyes. Those are the most valuable and most resourceful elements you have. There's really no way that you could have looked at West Virginia's offense the past couple of weeks and thought that quarterback wasn't a problem. Definitely not the problem, Um, but it was a problem. And it seems silly at this point right now that no one else knew it. I think everybody there knew it and they knew they really couldn't do anything because of the calendar and the red shirt rule. Um, You get Dagey in and use your eyes. It looked decidedly different today, significantly better. Um, I want to say this is maybe the beginning of the Daigie era. This feels, and I don't want to over-dramatize this, this actually feels more like Brown's first game than James Madison. And what I mean by that is the first nine games, you're wondering, man, quarterback, what's it going to look like when he has a quarterback? I'm not sure Daigie's the guy long-term, if he's the starter next year or two years from now, but for the short term, the rest of this season, and I would think with the advantage going into the spring and the fall, that's Neil Brown's quarterback right now. Um, Quite a performance to begin with. Not overwhelming, but made no mistakes and won a road game where they were not supposed to win. I think you put it best when you said it to, to start there. Use your eyes. Because looking at the box score, 20 of 30 for 234, meh. Uh, no true rushing yards. You know, he got sacked twice for 16 yards, but never actually ran the ball. Um, but I, like, if you actually watched the game, you watched him make these throws. Uh, the offense is better. His throws are better. Um, he was making plays that were not going to be made by any other quarterback on this roster. And if West Virginia does not make that change, I don't believe they win this game. I I think he made enough plays today. And based off what we've seen from the other quarterbacks on the roster, I'm not sure any of them would have made the same plays. Am I, am I going too far? Am I in the moment? I'm with you 100%, and I think you can probably circle a handful of plays every game where, where Kendall, for lack of a better phrase, wasted the play, um, got caught and got sacked, uh, danced around and missed an opening, didn't trigger when he was supposed to, just something didn't happen. Maybe he checked out of bounds, who knows. I can think of one instance today where Daigie did not make the play count. He didn't complete everything, but he threw one ball out of bounds, and it was wise, and it was late, maybe his 28th or 29th pass, but he threw one ball out of bounds. Everything else, complete passes, incomplete passes, he made the throw count. He hung in there, went through his progressions, and came back to his check down. He saw something quick and went there. He waited for a play to develop and went there. He hung in there and took hits. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to build the bronze bust of this guy yet. But there are a number of things I really liked. There was one play that caught my eye, and it's it's almost imperceptible. It's in the first quarter. Um, it's a second down. It's a third down play. Third and a long distance. He rolls right, and he breaks the pocket. He dances around. He rolls right, drops back, steps forward, and he throws about a 40-yard pass down the sideline to really nobody, and Esdale is running across the field and catches it, I don't know, a step or two out of bounds. 
it's a magnificent throw. <laughs> it's like 40 yards. It's complete, except it's a, I don't know, a foot out of bounds maybe. But that just showed me that he's not pocketing anything. He's got that presence and that courage to make something happen. That was after and before he took a number of hits. The ball came out of his hand fast. He was putting it on the money, you know, in between levels of the defense. Just really impressed. And I don't know if it's because we hadn't seen that yet and we're waiting for this or if he actually is that good. Yeah, and including that last touchdown pass, the game winner, to Bryce Wheaton. That was one where, again, the box score says he has no rushing yards, but I tell you, he is mobile. Uh, he got open. He got out of the pocket, created that play, extended it, threw it downfield to a wide. I'm still not sure why uh, Bryce Wheaton was wide open, but um, I don't know. Again, Deggie extended that play. He made it happen, and I'm not sure that would have happened under with Kendall. Well, you know, Chris, I got to watch the tape. Oh, boy. Before I can speak. But I have to think on that play that I don't even think he expected to see Wheaton. Um, and I think he did. And I think he wanted to clear the traffic and maybe not go diagonal and vertical, which is just a really smart play. I mean, he, he got himself. He knew he had space. And he went there and he threw it. And not only that, but he invited some trouble there. I'm pretty sure he got hit at least on his upper torso there and made that a harder pass than it was. Um, but he didn't bail on it and he didn't short arm it and he didn't miss it. And I have to wonder how hard of a catch that was for Wheaton because he's wide open. That ball can't get there fast enough. And it, it's a game when he touched on it and it's by and large the play of the game too. Um, and Wheaton, one of a number of guys who, you know, didn't get a lot of opportunities, but, but did something with it today. And if you look at their contributions, pretty widespread and people made it count um, really offensively. Not really a weak spot that you can find right now. Today, not overall, but just today. No, I thought uh, the receiving core did well. Uh, Campbell, again, stepping up. Um, still not clear why he wasn't playing more all year long. I know we've discussed this before, but he's he's seeing his snaps, in, snaps increase uh, partly or mostly due to injury lately, and and he's really making it pay off. I think you noted that uh, he was lining up in the slot a lot today yeah. and was very productive. And just a little, oh, by the way, that you dropped in that VIP article uh, first thing this morning. Um, Should we do it? Should we do it? Yeah. I mean, we got to share that. That uh, are you, Go ahead. You take the floor here. Yeah. So when the, old, when the old staff left, they left the waiver U manual in the desk, I guess. And we've seen West Virginia have some success on the waiver eligibility so far with Daigie, most notably, and um, Sean Ryan. But it does seem that Campbell is going to have uh, a chance. They're going to pursue one from him. I've been told this from a couple of people that they like their chances. Long story short, there's, there's a season 2017. He played four games. You're allowed to play three. Um, if you miss two seasons in any combination of a developmental or medical redshirt, you're eligible for a sixth year. Uh, he missed one by medical, and then he played a little bit in a fourth game before he got injured, but you're over that limit of three. So I think that's what they're going to try to massage. I'd heard that they were going to do it, and I asked him on Tuesday. When I saw him, I said, what's going on? He said, we don't know yet. Um, and he's kind of hopeful. I think a lot of people are hopeful because, again, <laughs> this is not to, to pat ourselves in the back here. We'll do plenty of that here in a minute. Use your eyes. That guy was catching passes and getting open and scoring touchdowns for a team that didn't do a lot of those, you know, getting open, catching passes or scoring touchdowns with much ease. And he was doing it. So um, you're not going to complete or continue the four catches or four touchdowns, six catches ratio. But here we are today, five catches, two touchdowns, 92 yards. And West Virginia's weak spot had been the first quarter. And Kansas State's strength had been 
red zone defense. They get two red zone touchdowns in the first quarter to get this game going. Uh, not an empty contribution from him. We're going to have to teach you how to write breaking in big capital letters and put it all over the front page, Mike. We got it. We got to discuss this. Was that a full story? You think? Maybe. <laughs> nah. We'll get. I to don't know. It's that. notable. It's certainly notable. Let but... me um let me tout you for a second here because I was very big in the fresh set where I buried the George Campbell news, not knowing he was going to do this, but did have that in there. Um, and I also said that West Virginia could and should run the ball, and that's how you win a game in the fourth quarter. Some of that came true. That's not how they won the game, but uh, I think ran the ball pretty effectively. But you had mentioned earlier in the week that despite good statistics and just five touchdown passes allowed, you could throw on this team. Um, We mentioned 20 for 32, 34, three touchdowns. They made some mistakes in the back end um, and let West Virginia score three times on plays that they really needed to have. You know, I think all the touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, are – third down scores i'll have to go back and check definitely two are i'll do that while you answer this question but uh what gives there how did you see this coming and what were we missing about their secondary well i think so many people when they look at stats with all these teams all over the place they're looking at kind of game total averages uh, and, and ratings for the whole game and with the way kansas state plays how slow they play how methodical they are how their time of possession it limits the number of plays and so when i was looking at that because what triggered it was our Kansas State guys asked me about West Virginia's run defense being so horrible. And I thought to myself, yeah. I didn't think West Virginia's run defense is horrible. And sure enough, they were last in the Big 12 or were in yards allowed per game and by a fairly large margin. But the thing is, it's because other teams are getting ahead of West Virginia and because West Virginia's offense isn't uh, wasn't staying on the field. So other teams are getting more plays. They were getting more runs. And the total average was higher, but the per run average, West Virginia was, t- I think, third or fourth in the league and had been excellent over the last couple months in our last couple games. And th- so then I started looking at Kansas State's and their per play averages actually weren't great. They their run defense total looked solid, but they allowed over five yards per run coming into this game. So that and then the passer rating was not great either. They were one of the lowest in the Big 12. So it's more of a quantity over quality type thing. With uh, Breaking news from the play-by-play. All three touchdown passes are on third down, including the third and 22 to Wheaton, a third and 13 to Campbell, and a third and seven to Campbell. So, again, plays you had to have and did it. Um, another thing we mentioned was red zone. West Virginia's defense, um, they won. So let's use a good adjective. Friendly in the red zone. Um, not a strength this year. Kansas State is typically one of the more efficient teams in the country, and you know they they make those things work. They get down there three times, but kick two field goals, I believe, and that's a difference. West Virginia, um, Kansas State's red zone defense terrible. Had allowed a hundred percent of scores on their possessions. Um, got out of one today, kind of missed field goal at the end of the half, but um, got down there and scored two touchdowns. And again, we've talked about this before. They really had to make things count. And make it matter too but what did you see as the unexpected development i could point in a couple of things third downs kansas state very good on third down you mentioned their pass defense the red zone difference in the game i don't know casey leg drilling a 51 yard field goal which turned out to be really significant um is there one thing that you think stands out that was unexpected that they had to have that maybe they didn't think they would have 
Stay refreshed with Taste Salud, the ultimate hydration experience. Dive into the world of Agua Frescas, designed to elevate your day, boost your energy, stay hydrated, and unwind with Salud's on-the-go stick packets, each with just one gram of sugar. Exclusive for our listeners, enjoy a 10% discount on your first order with code TASTE10 at checkout. Visit tastesalud.com for the full selection. Taste the difference with Taste Salud. Cheers to health. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think the way I'm going to go a little bit off the board here with the way the secondary played after Norwood was gone. Um, Because especially once he was out, I thought, boy, this is... This is when we've seen things go bad. When these senior, when they lose one senior or or a junior or something, an experienced player in the secondary, and they start shuffling in more freshmen, more sophomores, guys within with no experience, and moving around. That's when we've seen that secondary kind of fall apart, have miscommunications, and get lit up. And when Norwood went out, I thought, here we go again. But it didn't happen. Uh, there were a couple, but for the most part, they kind of held. Uh, Thompson in check made a couple big plays obviously the big one to end it and um, that's probably a good thing because I don't think I don't know if you were listening to Neil Brown in the post game but he says it does not look good for Norwood long term this might have been the last we've seen of him this season Mm, that looked like maybe a clavicle yeah, he said, uh, quote, uh, let's see, he didn't return, and I would say early indications are not good for him. So doesn't sound great. Last week we closed on something. You asked the question, what do you need to see? And um, my answer to that question was that they had to, they really had to make the other team, I think I said box left-handed, meaning you couldn't let a team ride its strength. And I would think that, in the end, Kansas State does not want to throw 39 passes, certainly doesn't want to turn it over twice because they don't. Um, seven penalties is not a lot, but it's a lot for Kansas State. Um, a really big mistake on special teams, which they don't do, that gave West Virginia, um, I believe, a first down on the, t- on the drive that ended in a touchdown instead of a missed field goal. So uh, Casey Leg actually hooked one left. The nose guard jumped the center, Yep, which is illegal. I'm glad they called that because that happens a lot and they don't call it. West Virginia gets in the end zone, so I had to make things count there. Uh, but again, I think shut them down running, made them pass. So they didn't want to. And I think that's progress for West Virginia. You know, they weren't able to pick on what other teams couldn't do. They weren't able to do what they did well against other teams, whether that was a strength or weakness. This was them. Um, you know, West Virginia is not a great running team. Good today. I think effective is probably a good word. Kansas State's a bad rush defense, and they ran the ball effectively. Um, we mentioned red zone and third down stuff. Those are strengths for Kansas State. West Virginia took advantage. To me, that was progress. I think the big thing is the running game. Um, it's going to say 28 carries for 85 yards. That's three yards a carry. Um, Daigie gets sacked twice for 16 yards, so that sacks that average. Um, and then a knee, I think, toward the end of the game. So really, you're talking 25 carries for 103 yards, um, and that's Brown and McCoy, so none of this three or four back stuff, no Tony Mathis. So 25 carries, 103 yards. 
Chris, is this running game actually getting better? You said no last week. Just no. Um, and I think they said, oh, not so fast. Um, you know, maybe maybe they did block those run plays well on pass plays last week, and they were actually right about this. Oh, can I say not so fast as well? Because I think okay. uh, if I remember correctly, I believe it was they had 77 yards in the first half rushing. Right. And then so another 26. So, yeah, in the first half, things look great. I think they were averaging five or six yards per carry in the first half. And then in the second half, right up until late in the fourth quarter, they were almost in negative yards, I feel like, uh, before they got a couple of chunk plays and still, um, you know, only averaged a yard or so in the second half per rush in the second half, which causes some concern for me. There are a number of questionable plays. Um and questionable situations that ultimately don't matter right now. But on their do-or-die drive where they have it and they want to go four-minute drill and try to run the clock out, um, they get the ball back, man, I want to say like 535, something like that. Let me look at my notes here. 535. Uh, Brown rushes for 13. Brown rushes for four. And you're thinking, hey, they got a chance here. You know, it's right about past midfield. It's second and six. They lose five yards. I think they ran like inverted veer because they were, it looks like Daigie himself was reading the outside guy and he hands off inside and it's, it looked like a play that has to go in the trash, a really weird chance or a spot to run a chance play like that. Um, but pick their moments in the first half too. Do you think they're successful through the air with Daigie without the run? Or do you think that maybe Daigie's prowess with the pass helped them out running the ball? Cause they have to get this game pocket. <sighs> That's tough. I, we do need to discuss some of these play calls, uh, some of these draws. Um, First play of the game, new quarterback, let him in. Draw. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do that. Uh, what was it? The in the in the first half, second and twenty, call a timeout, waste a timeout, and then run play on second and twenty when you're down. So no, that was in the second half when they were down six, twenty to fourteen, and then you run again. Uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of rough there with some of these draw plays, but um, what was I going to touch on? I, I do think that is something else we need to discuss. I think it's going to get kind of pushed to the side because West Virginia won, but there's this is multiple games in a row now where this team is using second-half timeouts because they're not lined up correctly or having substitution problems, or about to have um, a delay of game penalty, even after, like, say, the clock stopped. Uh, that's that's concerning to me a little bit. I, I think we're seeing that a couple times a game, each of the last three or four games, and it was something that I was going to lead off with tonight <laughs> until they won. Like, it was, it was really bugging me, because that's, you know, say Kansas State comes down and scores a touchdown, West Virginia has no timeouts to use because they've been using them up on you know second and 20s in the beginning of the third quarter mm-hmm. um and then not even coming out with a good play out of it so it, it's something that I, i'm keeping an eye on going forward but just pocketing that you, one for later what did you think of this they called one timeout um first quarter maybe when Daigie was changing the play at the line of scrimmage and then he checked later in the game on one of those third and six plays where they ran a replay into a blitz um, that's two checks. There were a bunch of times where Daigie was, you know, fingers to the tongue, get dropped back in the pocket, step back up to the center, talk to your tackles, get a word out to the receiver. It's a lengthy process. They burned one timeout. They got caught close to the clock a couple other times, but basically because 
they were checking. And we spent some energy this week saying, can you believe this? The offensive coordinator says, we really don't check plays. Um, is that an addition because of the first nine games, or is that an addition because of who started the 10th? I have to think because of the first nine games, because uh, I think it has to be in your arsenal. You have to I, be able to yeah. check. You can't you can't take that away no matter who your quarterback is. Um, and I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, I think we've been discussing having Daggy come in for a couple weeks now. But a guy who has yet to really truly play in a game at West Virginia to come in and just have free reign to check things when the guy who has started the first nine doesn't. So I think it was more of a um, a situation where they said we gotta gotta give them the freedom to do that, or else we're gonna keep getting like that draw play into an eight man box again for a six yard loss. Be curious to see how many times he did or he didn't, and what the success rate was because it was a clear addition to me. I think it's probably a combination. I think you're right that at some point I would I would think not because we asked about it or we talked about it that they realized. This is not nearly as much flexibility as we need. Our quarterback has to have more latitude. He's there. He understands the defense. We got to give him something. Um, and maybe Daggy just knows us a little bit better. Maybe he, I mean, he he did a lot of this stuff, this no huddle call to play stuff in Bowling Green. Um, and so it's maybe it's a little bit more mobile for him, but um, that's probably an addition there. Um, I well, have on that real quick. Out. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, on that, on Daggy and, and his knowledge of this and their com- comfort level with him, a, I wanted to bring up something that Neil Brown brought up after the game, and it kind of touches on how, you know, for our VIP members who found out earlier in the week from Mike that Daggy was the likely starter. Literally um, in, in a coffee house in Pittsburgh with Justin Jackson and William Dean from the Dominion Post. We were drinking dirty chais and hot chocolates, the, the glamour life before the basketball game, and my phone buzzed a couple times, and they said, Here's the deal. Um, and long story short, um, I don't want to stick your thunder here, so I'll get it out of the way really quickly. No, go. They changed their practice routine a little bit last week. Instead of having whatever it is, 90-10, 80-20, maybe it's in between. Instead of having that, they went pretty close to 50-50, but it was pretty clear that Kendall was a starter still last week. Um, so I don't know what the deal would be, 65-35, 60-40, something like that. Whatever the numbers are, but it wasn't clearly one with a little bit to the other. It was a slight edge to one over the other. And a lot of people perked up and said, that's strange. So Daggy's time is obviously coming. Lo and behold, he gets in. Um, no proclamation Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. But those adjusted reps, 65, 35, 60, 40, whatever, um, Kendall was in the backseat to Daggy. And Daggy was the one getting the new, quote-unquote, QB1 reps, whatever that number is. Um, and that was pretty much a Tuesday, Wednesday thing into their, their Thursday practice. Um, and people got in that plane Friday saying, we got a new quarterback. Folks, he's doing it again. He's listening in beforehand, saying he doesn't know. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly what Neil Brown said. He said he? You know, well, two weeks mean, ago that it was 60-40 uh, Kendall. Uh, 60-40, before the Texas, okay. 60-40 Kendall for the Texas Tech game. And then on Tuesday, the same day as his press conference, when he said they had a plan, they flipped it and had Daggy go 60-40, and that they felt comfortable with how Daggy handled the first team offense and how they did. And they decided to make the change. Uh, he didn't say which day that they made that decision to, to officially uh, flip to Daggy over Kendall, but he did have the conversation with Kendall beforehand. Cause he talked about, you know, obviously Kendall was disappointed, 
uh, and, and then wanted to reiterate that, hey, Kendall was not the reason we were losing. So that was well, what Brown said after the game. I didn't cheat. In fact, I told you that I before we got on, I couldn't listen to the Facebook Live because it was very pixelated and wasn't working. But and that 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 jives with what we wrote last night. Again, yeah. I was off your house and I got the word and I was try, I was actually trying to do some homework on it. And we talked about how far do we go with this? And what was strange was that people said like, hey, we don't know if Diggy's going to start. We suspect because of this, it would be unusual for a guy who got limited reps to be the starter. So it's pretty logical. But, but who knows? I mean, maybe they're giving Diggy an, ex- an extended audition. Maybe he flubbed it. Who knows? Um, but I, I really wonder. I don't think you can ask Kendall to go on the plane without knowing, um, especially when it's pretty clear in the practice reps what the deal is. So I think they had to tell him. But I don't think there was a stand in front of the locker room moment um, before I heard. Um, and certainly they, they have an idea. And that is part of his plan. I'd be very surprised they didn't walk into practice Tuesday and tell those guys, here's how we're going to do it. And those guys got it right away. And it was the right thing to do. I don't think you can argue that at this point. No, like I said, I think there were several plays in there that really changed the game, and they are not plays that I think Kendall was making if he were in the game. So here we go. We have two games left. West Virginia is four and six, still alive for a bowl. The most West Virginia thing that I can think of would be to go six and six and not be able to play Diggy in the bowl <laughs> game. <laughs> like that is the perfect story. That's the next chapter of my book. Because you can't enjoy this if that happens, you know. Um, they're not going to sit him for one of these final two games like they're going to have to do with Jared Bartlett. Who I, actually, Bartlett did not play today, um, unless I missed that. So he's still good to play um, and get his snaps in. Actually, he would have the bowl game problem, too, now that I guess. But let's not get there. But Oklahoma State, you know, on the road, really good run game. West Virginia's run defense looks uh, lithe, I guess you would say. Uh, TCU, that's on the road. That's a shorter week that after Thanksgiving where you can practice a little bit more than normal because you don't have school, but it's still a shorter week. Um, and who knows? I mean, they may have their seventh loss a week from now, but they could also be five and six. But there is an energy. There's a balance that wasn't there. They have a quarterback that they know can do things that um, they did not have on their side before. I do think I do think there would be stranger things in West Virginia beating Oklahoma State if you believe that past its prologue. Uh, the 2014 season is awful interesting when you think about what Clint Trickett did. Uh, I'm not selling out the stadium, I don't think, but I think there's a lot of people who are more interested in this team than if they were 3-7 and seven and had not yet played Daggy, so they'll probably have a good crowd. I think there's some juice that they really needed. Um, I do think that this is still a two-game season here, and I would not be surprised that one Saturday at home against a team that uh, is pretty good but is not the typical Oklahoma State spread it out, throw it around, NFL quarterback, NFL receivers team. Um, and then you go into a one-game season on a Friday at TCU or who knows, but um, this gets very interesting now, doesn't it? It does. Do you want to go ahead and just jump right in, first take style, to – who plays? Who starts at quarterback in the bowl game? If Diggy, it's it's the debate I don't want to have, and the debate I was born to have. <laughs> like, you have to play Trey Low. It's going, to happen. it's going to happen. Like it's just the perfect. It's the perfect thing. I just, I, I'm just sitting here twiddling my fingers because it's a month, or I guess it'd be about three weeks of just debating about who the quarterback is going to be. Like, you can't play Kendall if you pulled the plug on him in November. Like stuff like that is just. Too good to pass up, um, but now we uh, we got the cart and the horse all mixed up right now, too. So. Yes, we do. Your point, it's very interesting again, which it had not been for five weeks. Oh, I 
Speaking of interesting, as we're recording this, I am I was trying to look something up, and Baylor is putting a beat down on Oklahoma at this very moment. So be prepared for your college football playoff semifinalist Bears. Is that is that what we're expecting? What's the score? Uh, fourteen to three, and it looks like Baylor is first and goal. If I'm reading this correctly, twenty-one to three. Yep, oh, just scored again. I'm not sure that's a surprise. I think it's the, the right now it's a number, but I think that you could see that I would be more surprised by Baylor opening it up against Oklahoma than I would be the other way around. But there's some red flags on Baylor right or on Oklahoma right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we have the checker flag right now. A pretty full weekend, Chris. Basketball, Final Four <laughs> of the Big 12 tournament. I don't think that's uh, anything we're going to get into right now, but they look good. Football looks better than they did. Um, it's fun when these two teams are playing well in November. I'm not sure they're playing well, but they're playing better. Certainly basketball's fine, but football. Football jumped back in the deep end of the pool today. Cannonball, everybody's splashing around having fun again. Um, it's supposed to be this way, right? It is, and I, I'm really looking forward to uh, on the heels of our who should start the bowl game debate um, is should Oscar leave for the M- NBA debate. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that one and done. Um, just all sorts of good stuff going on. All right. Well, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't say hi to Neil Brown before we get out of <laughs> here right now. Uh, that's all for this Wait, time. What's he, hold on. What's he going to pick on you about on Tuesday? I didn't do anything wrong this week. He cracked okay. the whip, and I got in line, and I said only nice things. And, uh, boy, he certainly cashed from capital this week. So I owe him uh, I owe him a couple strudels and a, and a tall macchiato at our breakfast club meeting, the fan club, on uh, on Monday morning, I guess. So uh, I'll check back with details when we catch up on Wednesday. How's that sound? Sounds good. As I was saying, that's all for this time. We'll see you next time. I am Mike Casaza, And I'm Chris Anderson. And this was our best episode. We'll see you next time.